Well, good morning, everybody. Come on in and have a seat. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us, oh, come on. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and let him be glad in it. I just have one announcement. We're excited about the list of people that are looking to be baptized next week. We're having a baptism service next Sunday morning, Lord willing. And so if you have not, if you were on the list and you haven't connected with the leader, please do so. And uh, we're looking forward to having the opportunity to be able to hear about people's testimony of faith and how they've grown in Christ and how Christ has drawn them. I want to read for you from Psalm 46 this morning as we begin our service. You know, we're going through these uh, trying times, and maybe you're going through a real difficult time right now in your life. And I want you to hear these words from Psalm 46. It says this, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the mountains give way, though the earth is moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God is, will help her in the morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he brought desolation on the earth. How he makes wars cease. Well, we'll look forward to that. To the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And here's the verse. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you and thank you that you are our refuge and our fortress, our very present help in troubles. Father, we are going through traumatic times in our world, traumatic times in our nation, traumatic times perhaps in our families, Lord. And Lord, as the trauma and the troubles and the trials go on in our lives, we find ourselves at times getting discouraged or disillusioned. I thank you for the fact that you are a God who's our refuge, our fortress. So Lord, I pray that you help us to be still and know that you're God and that you will be exalted, Lord. So Father, I pray today that your son is exalted. I pray that he's exalted in the words that we say. I pray that he's exalted in the songs that we sing. I pray that he's exalted as Pastor Doug preaches today, Father. Help us to see Christ, be empowered by your spirit, and help us to bring glory and honor to your name. And all God's people said, amen. Be blessed. Strong and mighty fortress, rain. 
come to save us what if you had never given grace it was love that held you there upon the cross it was love that led you to the grave forgive set free Oh, the power of Christ in me My Jesus, my victory 
of hope What if hope never come to darkness And the stone had not been rolled away It was love that poured into your lifeless lungs It was love that raised you from Christ in 
hear the Savior saying, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as Praise the one who paid my debt. Oh, praise. 
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sin had left. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Yes, Lord, this morning we give you praise and glory and honor, Lord, for what you've done for us. Yes, sin had left a crimson stain, but you washed me pure, you washed me clean. Lord, we sang about Christ living in me. We have this power that lives within us. Lord, to resist temptation, to fight back against sin, to set the tap into it. Lord, help us to trust you this week as we go about our lives. Lord, help us to be in the word. And whatever it is that we're struggling with, God, you know, you know the exit plan, and you're asking us to trust you in faith. God, we thank you for this time of worship. We ask God now that you please would help us to hear your word and then to go out and do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. It's good to have you here. Uh, children uh, ages 5 up through 3rd grade can be dismissed at this time, if you'd like, for junior church. Um, there's folks back there waiting. So we have, um, you, you can do one of two things. We have a handout that has a lot of the verses that we're going to be looking at. Not all of them, but most of the verses we're going to be looking at today. If you'd like, you can flip around in your Bible. We're happy to do that too. But if you'd like a handout, we have extra. So if you would like a handout and you haven't received one, if you want to raise your hand, Ralph will be happy to make sure you get that. So I see, Ralph, I see some, oh, Dave's over here. Good, 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 good. That's great. Just raise your hand. Gentlemen, we'll be happy to get it. So we're continuing with our series on uh, the book of Proverbs. I, I was thinking this week as I was just reading through parts of Proverbs again, um, one of the things you might want to think about doing sometime as a family is just taking the month and reading through the book of Proverbs together. There's 31 chapters, and you could literally read right through the, uh, the whole book together because I was just reminded again, there's so much in here you could, you could speak about. Oh, man. I was convicted off the charts reading some of these verses. So, nice. So, anyway, just something to encourage you with. All right. I think that handles all those. Oh, one other quickie announcement, just, to, just so you know. Sunday school has begun. Uh, the adults are doing a series on God's perspective on sexuality. And so it's never too late to jump in if you'd like to step in. So we're, we're always there. We will meet whether you're there or not, you know, with the people that come. But we'd love to have you join us at any point. So keep that in mind. Sunday school begins at 930 in the room right down here to the left. So I want to speak on uh, this whole issue of friendships. And I kind of have a montage there, or a mosaic there, or whatever you want to call it, PowerPoint of some of these different kinds of friendships that perhaps you could actually identify with. I want to just zero in on one of them in our time as we begin. 
Do you all know uh, Brian's song? Are you familiar with that? It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. So it's, it's the relationship between two men. These were heterosexual men. They were both married. Uh, men's men, athletes, the whole thing. So, but incredible. This was 1967. If you go back into the 60s in your mind, and you think about some of the tensions between um, the whole black and white tension that we're having in, 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 in our, our culture, this apparently was one of the first times that professional football players, when they went to away games together where they actually took a black man and a white man and put them together was Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. They were both running backs. Of course, Gail Sayers went on to be one of the finest running backs of all time. That guy, if you ever watch some of the old pictures, I mean, he's incredible, incredible. But anyway, they put them together and people that have written on their life had said that Brian Piccolo, who was, who was the white guy, um, he knew no black people when he came to the Chicago Bears. And, and Gail Sayers, who was black, he knew, he knew some white people, but he had no close friendship with anyone. And they were both stuck together for the away games together. And Brian's song and the book that's been written uh, on them um, just talks about the fact that these two individuals you would think would be so different it became like a David and Jonathan relationship. You couldn't get any closer. Um, in 19, I think it was prior to 69, but by 1968, 69, Piccolo found out, though, that he had cancer. And he ultimately ended up dying. But he tried to play on as long as he could. And, and, and if you read the story, you'll just find out how he, with any spare moment that Gail Sayers had, he was with Brian Piccolo. In 1969, they were all going to go with their wives to this professional football writer's banquet in New York where, they, where Gail was going to actually receive the most courageous player in professional football award. And when he stood up, tears streaming down his face, this is what he said as he accepted the award. He said, you flatter me by giving me this award. But I tell you here and now that I accept it for Brian Piccolo. Brian Piccolo is the man of courage who should receive this award. I love Brian Piccolo, and I'd like you to love him too. Tonight, when you hit your knees, please ask God to show his love to him. I read a story like that. You hear a story like that, and you say, man, I'd love to have friends like that. Wouldn't you? I mean, where the racial issue means nothing. What brings you together is a commitment to that person regardless. It's a wonderful story. So here are just an account of some of those other ones. And what, what, what I'd like you to do as we talk our way through this series of passages on friendship from the book of Proverbs, I'd like you to rate your friendship. You say, you mean between uh, myself and my mate? Yeah, that would be a great place to start because husband and wife should be the best of friends, right? But I, I also want you to think about your other friendships outside of your marital relationship. Men with men, women with women. And ask yourself, what kind of friendship do you have? Proverbs talks about a series of different kinds of friendships. 
So I want to very, very quickly look at four of them. Uh, I don't want to spend much time on them because I don't want to highlight them, but they're in the book of Proverbs. And hopefully your friendships are not that way, okay? Well, at least one of them doesn't matter, but for, for several of them. So I want to kind of walk through some of these types of friendships. And as we look at it, I want you to look at your friendships and say, are they like this? Or are they like that final one? The one we want to camp on is the last one, the spiritual friendship, obviously. But I want to just talk to you about some of the other kinds of friendships that we have. Years ago, um, I, I did a study in Proverbs of every occurrence of the word friend, neighbor, the whole thing, cataloged it all together, wrote a paper on it, and thought, hopefully I can use that somewhere. So this comes out of some of that work that, that, that I've done in the past where I was able to kind of catalog all this. So I want you to just see, sometimes the word friend can be used very simply for kind of just an acquaintance. You know, you may say that sometimes to somebody, hi friend, where have you been? Or something like that. And it's just, it's used very simply. But the word can stretch from something like that all the way to an intimate, meaningful, deep friendship. It can, it can kind of work, work the different terrain there. So I just want to look at some of these with you. The first kind of friendship is what we might call social friendship. This is an acquaintance or a neighbor. I just want to read a couple verses to you. This is not bad. This is just life. Everybody in here has social friendships, just acquaintances, if you will. You know, you go to work, you say, hey, Bill, hey, whatever your name is, hi, you know, and you just, you just you're acquainted. You see your neighbor, you wave at them, you know, it just, so when, when Proverbs talks about those kinds of relationships, which we all have, it says this. I'm just reading from Proverbs 3. You don't have this on your sheet, sorry. Proverbs 3, 27 to 29. Let me read it to you. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives uh, trustfully near you. So that's just kind of basic life, right? If your neighbor comes over and knocks on your door and says, do you have any salt or eggs or milk? You don't say, get out of here, right? You normally say, sure. I mean, if you have, you just give it to them. It's just kind of common parlance, right? Neither do you sit around and you say, I can't stand his dog. Barks all the time, so I'm going to sabotage that dog sometimes when my neighbor... No, you don't do that. He's your neighbor. You're kind to your neighbor, even if you don't like his dog. Doesn't matter, right? So, so you help them when they come, and you don't plot harm against them. That's just, I'm just, that's kind of basic. Guard. If all our neighborhoods work like that, we'd have really nice neighborhoods, though, won't we? I mean, you think about it. It's pretty simple stuff. So social friendship is just part of life. It's the, uh, the next three that become problematic. The, the second kind of friendship, and this is, if you have that sheet, it's represented on that sheet, is what we would call a superficial friendship. Proverbs 18.24 says this. I just want to read the beginning of it. A man of many companions may come to ruin. Now, wh- wh- why is he saying that? Well, look at the second part of the verse. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying some people in their lives have true, rich, meaningful friendships. 
But other people, they scoot through life and everything is superficial. They don't know anybody deeply and nobody knows them deeply. And it's all superficial. And and if your life is only marked by a lot of superficial relationships, what happens when difficulty comes? Do you see? There's no depth. And Proverbs says, beware of having superficial friendships only. Do you see that? The third kind of friendship is what we would call a selfish kind of friendship. Oh, it's just a quickie on the superficial. Um, When I first became a youth pastor back in the 80s, can you believe that? Well, it's a long time ago. Late 80s, mid 80s, whatever, but whatever. Um, I, I was working with the junior high primarily. It was a larger church, so I was the junior high youth pastor, and there was a senior high youth pastor. And he said, used to always strike me as strange. Where, well, I, I mean, I knew what was happening. You had these young guys that were, you know, coming to recognize things newly in their lives. You understand what I'm saying, all these things. But man, would they ever try to protect their image? Oh, man, when they're with me, they would break down and cry. And oh, Pastor Doug, and we were talking. And all. But man, when they were with their friends, man, you men, they were tough and hard and rocks and you could never penetrate them. And, and I used to think to myself, how sad that you're, you're living your whole life to protect an image. It's crazy. And the beauty is in time, they come into senior high and they begin to loosen up more. But man, I don't know. When I, when I, when I think of superficial friendship, I think of those old junior high days. I don't know. Maybe junior high boys have changed, but I kind of doubt it. I'm just saying. Okay. Third kind of friendship is a selfish friendship. This is a relationship more concerned about getting than it is giving. And let, let me just read a couple verses to you. And again, I don't know that I put them down on your list there. But in chapter 14, verse 20, I'm sorry, in, in chapter, um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did it. I think I do have it down. Selfish friendship, 1420. Did I put it down here or not? I've got all these different sheets. No, I don't. So let me just read it to you, okay? Selfish friendship, Proverbs 19.4. I got that one. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm okay. I just look crazy. Um, listen, listen to what the writer says here about selfish friendships. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friend. Many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. All a poor man's brothers hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but does not have them. Do you see that? I've uh, talked with people who are very wealthy and one of their concerns sometimes is, is anybody my friend because of me or because of what they can get from me? It's hard to know. And this text says, there are some people, if you're wealthy, man, you got a ton of people around you because at the end of the day, they want to use you. And then you have this picture of this poor guy who just wants a friend. And people are saying, you're worth nothing, pal. 
And so if friendships are merely about getting, and that's the only kind of friendship that people have, they set themselves up for all kinds of danger. I want to share with you the confessions of a young teenage boy um, who's comparing his girlfriend to the girlfriend of John, apparently an acquaintance of, 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 this, guy, of this young teenage boy. So listen to his little poetic scheme here. This teenage boy says, John's girl is rich and haughty. My girl is as poor as clay. John's girl is quite pretty. For mine, there's not a whole lot to say. John's girl is smart and clever. My girl is average, but good. But would I trade my girl for John's girl? You bet your life I would. That's not good. I'm mean, just saying, it's funny, but it's not good. It's funny with teenagers. It's tragic in marriages. Isn't it? So if you get two people coming into a marriage and it's what I can get from you and what I can get from you and you need to give me and you need to give me, if that's what the relationship is like, that would be like the ice cream flavor Rocky Road. Wouldn't it? Because it, it, it won't work. Because this person will never ultimately be able to give me everything I want and vice versa. And, or else you'll have a truce for a period of time and then you go back to battling again. It's just the way these things work. And the writer says in Proverbs, that's what I love about the book of Proverbs, it's so practical. Just look at your friends. Yeah, we all have social friends. That's life. No problem. Be nice to them. Hopefully they'll be nice to you. Okay, good, very nice. We have to beware superficial friendships that never break through deep down. And we have to be very careful of selfish friendships because if it's all about getting and not giving, it will ultimately create all kinds of problems. The, um, the fourth kind of friendship that, that the book of Proverbs talks about is what we would call a sinister friendship. This is a friendship, it, it is actually a relationship that is based on vice. In other words, it's two people that are brought together to do evil. Can that happen? Oh my goodness, look around. Entire systems work off of this. Here's what the book of Proverbs says. I'm going to just read one section to you uh, from Proverbs chapter 1. This is really, really sad, but it's saying, watch your friendships. Listen to this. The father is pleading with his son. My son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. Now listen to the allurement here. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent with, without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us. We will all have one purse. It'll be great. We'll use and destroy that person for our own benefit. Yikes. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. 
For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. Isn't that true? Like, you know, I have mice problems sometimes in my garage. Um, I have to make that trap really attractive. Like, I don't know about you. I put peanut butter on it. I even put some honey in it. I mean, sometimes I put an apple on top. I mean, I just, it's a feast. If they can get on that thing, man, they're going to, it'll be good for just a moment. But even a dumb mouse after a while realizes, I think I'm going to scoot around that thing. These people don't realize that they're setting their own traps. And eventually it's going to destroy them. that's, That's the way it works. So he pleads with his son, don't have those kinds of relationships. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Do you see? Friendships are a wonderful gift from God that can be easily violated. So he says, beware superficial, beware selfish, beware sinister friendships. Rather, in this text, he wants us to pursue spiritual friendships. What are spiritual friendships characterized by in the book of Proverbs? Try to simplify it here down just to a couple things. So here they are. Number one, and this shouldn't surprise you, love. Now you do have this on your passage. Proverbs 17, 17, 18, 24, and 27, 10. You have all those. Let me, let me read them. Here's what I want you to notice with these passages too. Um, notice the difference between the relationship you have as friends and the relationship you have as brothers or sisters within a family, okay? Um, Because we often use the term, you know, blood is thicker than water. The writer of Proverbs actually says friendships are typically or should be even deeper than family relationships. Look at what he says, Proverbs 17, 7. A friend loves at all times... And then the next word there, and, could also be translated, but in the Hebrew, you can go either way depending upon the context. A friend loves at all times, and we might say, but a brother is born for adversity. And what the writer is saying here is, you know, if one of my siblings has an issue, major problem, they should be able to call me up on the phone Because I'm their brother, I'm going to say, all right, it's a calamity. I'm there to help you. At least a sibling should do that. But he says, a true friend loves at all times. See, the brother is there for those big... And look, I'm all for siblings having close relationships. My, My children have... Super close relationships. I'm close with my siblings. So I I get that. But he's just saying friendship can go deeper than flesh and blood relationships. A friend can be one who loves at all times. Look at the other verse that that he mentions, that we mentioned here, 1824. A man of many companions may come to ruin. But look what he says. There is a friend who sticks closer than who? Than a brother. So, in my life, 
It's wonderful to have close relationships with your siblings. You should. Is there anybody outside of that family that you would say, here is somebody who is there for me no matter what? They're they're not going to get anything from me in this moment. But they're going to be there to give because of where I am. And, and so, so that kind of friendship, I tell you, folks, those kinds of friendships are like oak trees. They're not like toadstools. You know, toadstools grow rather quickly. And oak takes, takes a lifetime to, to grow. And those kinds of friendships endure. And then 2710, do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, it could be even your father's friend, which means this is, this, uh, this is a friend that goes way back. And, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. This is a really interesting verse, but again, I think what he's telling us is this. In those moments of difficulty and tragedy, yes, the brother should be there, but you know what? The person who can even be there in a more intimate, closer way can be your friend. So have that kind of a person who is near both geographically and relationally so you can go to them and they can, go, they can come to you. And so their whole purpose is to love, is to look at this other person and say, look, you are my friend and no matter what happens... I will love you. Now, love does not mean not tell them the truth, does it? No, no. Love means I will always be for you no matter what happens. Which means sometimes I'll have to tell you some really hard things. But when you have issues, but all through your life, wherever you are, I will be there. You've heard teens say this, haven't you? Like, oh, I really, really like my friend because they're always there for me. You use that expression? It's kind of what Proverbs 17 is saying, isn't it? A friend loves at all times. The second aspect of friendship, and this one, it's part of love too, of course, but it gets a bit more specific. It's cultivation of that relationship through interaction, which means I've got to be with you. You, you can't, cultivate a relationship if you're not with the other person, right? Cultivation through interaction, and that entails confrontation, restoration, and what we might call stimulation. So let me unpack those for you. Uh, Proverbs 27, often viewed as one of the great um, friendship chapters, at least portions of it, Proverbs chapter 27, look at verses 5 and 6. I want to kind of work through these with you. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Is it easy to say hard things to somebody you care about? Is it easy for you? It's not easy for me. Uh, do you like confrontation? I don't. I would rather just kind of scoot through life comfortable. Thank you. My guess is most of you would too. But if I love this other person, there are times I have to say some very hard things. When surgery is done on somebody, 
because of whatever kind of growth they might have, it is ultimately done so that person could be restored. So confrontation is critical. I, I, my, my wife and I have been listening to a podcast uh, put out by Christianity Today, and it's, it's looking at one particular church ministry, but it's looking at really kind of the um, celebrity pastor mentality in America. And there's a lot of celebrity pastors. They get big churches and big egos, and the whole thing kind of goes in. And this is tracking with one particular individual, but he's, it's also looking at other, others uh, along the way. And I thought it was really interesting. They interviewed a, a longtime friend of, of this pastor who um, is, has had all kinds of issues in the last few years. And, 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 and God had used this guy. A lot of people became Christians, and it's all true. It's all, I mean, I can't deny that. But they interviewed this close friend of his, and he said, you know, um, I, I, after everything crashed, I got together with, with Mark, and I, I sat down with him, and I said, um, I've been a terrible friend to you. And he said, well, why? You've, you've always supported me. That's the problem. I've supported you even when you've done the wrong things. I, I haven't told you the truth. I haven't wounded you. Because now your ministry is a mess. And I didn't even try to stop it. Wow. That just set me back on my heels. We need brothers and sisters in Christ who love us to confront us. No one likes to confront. No one likes to be confronted. It needs to be done gently and humbly and kindly. Yes, all true, all true. But it needs to be done. Part of the way that God uses you to develop other people is to confront as hard as that is. Now, make sure you're confronting them with the truth, not just your opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I think, well, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what Doug Finkbinder thinks. It's got to be something that you can say, do, do you see it right there? Am, am, am I misreading things? No, no, that's what it says. That's the kind of stuff we got to be able to do with people, folks. Does that make sense? Confrontation is an act of love. And then he goes on there in verse 9 to talk about restoration. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Now, I want to explain this one. If you would have come in here today and sat down and I would have come up to you and said, you know, I really like you. Blake, I really like you. And I would have gotten out my Crisco oil and just like poured it out on his head. I don't think, I don't think Blake would have said, what a blessing you've been to me today. Would you have said that? No, no, I, 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 I don't know. Blake would be very kind, but, but I don't know how far along I would get in that process either. But anyway, that's beside the point. In their world, yeah, they, 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 they would often anoint with oil. Here's what I like to say. Our friendship should be like taking a good hot shower. You know when you worked hard all day, it's cold outside. Oh, your bones are so sore. Early in the morning, you, know, you get up and you put that hot shower and you're like, oh, oh, 
baby, that's good. Right? You know what I'm saying, right? You know, you know what that's like, right? So maybe you could just put that in here instead. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. So um, a good hot shower makes the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Where there's times in my life where I'm just down. I know what I'm supposed to do. Like I teach this stuff. I know what the Bible says. I want it in my life. But I'm down. To have someone come along beside, it's like they turn on that shower. It's like, oh. We need that, don't we? Because we just, we just get tired out. And the last one is stimulation. Look at verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Um, when I was in college trying to work my way through school, I worked in a, um, a turkey factory. And uh, it's gone now. It's called Long Acres Turkey Factory. And so I was in one of the rooms where, you know, we'd have to cut open bags and stuff, chickens and turkey. Well, we did chickens too, but a lot of turkeys, all kinds of stuff. And they would give us these knives, these, these knives which needed to be really sharp. And so they'd give you a little steel thing and you'd... I, I never got real good at it. I, the other guys did it, so I did it too. You're like, okay, well, I can do that too. You know, yeah, so you just want to try to keep up with them sometimes. But, 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 but it did help somewhat. And the point of this passage is, when you and I get dull, who sharpens us? God does, absolutely. Through his spirit, that's biblical. True, absolutely. In accordance with his word, yes. Through other people. Doesn't he? Who is it that's just a little dull, their blade? Life has just worn them down. And you come along to help them go a little bit deeper. What am I doing in my marriage to help Sherry become what God wants her to be? We were talking about this in Sunday school today a little bit. One of my responsibilities as the husband in the home, as a loving leader, is to be used by God so that my wife might be beautified into what Christ wants her to be. You know? My my job is to allow God to use me through his spirit, in accordance with his word, to make Sherry, help Sherry take her next step in her faith walk with Christ. It should be true in our homes. It should be true with our children should be true in our friendships. What does it mean for us to be with people enough that we can confront, that we can restore, and that we can stimulate? Do you see? I, I'm not trying to throw a guilt trip on you because if you're like me, you're going like, oh man, do I have a lot of work to do? I get that. I, I guess what I'm encouraging you to do is is get on the path. And, or stay on the path if you already are. Okay, Continue to work on those relationships. The other one that surfaces uh, is confidentiality. Um, 
in 17.9, which you have on your list, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Now, let me tell you what this passage isn't saying. If somebody who I know and love does something they should not be doing, I don't just say, I'm going to cover it up and ignore that and not, we're just going to leave. That's not love, is it? So not, that's not what he's talking about. But when matters are dealt with, they're done. Like 1 Corinthians 13 says, love doesn't keep records. We've dealt with that matter. It's done. It's not a matter of, well, you know, on June 3rd, 1955, you... What? Are you kidding me? Those matters need to be dealt with, and when they're dealt with, they're put aside. And they're not brought up as an attack at a later point. If I forgive, I don't want to raise that again in a way that's detrimental to our relationship. It is done. Okay? But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So suppose, oh, Phil, can I use you? I'm going to use Phil as an example. You're close, so you get it. So Phil comes and shares some things with me. We talk it through, and I give him some advice, and he it's good, and he's, he goes on with life. And then a little bit later, I'm over here, and I see Stephen. I say, Stephen, do you know what Phil told me? I didn't tell him, but I can't believe it. Blah, 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 blah. Do you think Phil's ever going to come to me about anything ever again? Not on your life. There has got to be confidentiality. I I remember reading this years ago from uh, G, G. Campbell Morgan. I thought it was so good. Listen to what he says. I love this. When he's talking about friendships and, 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 and so forth, he says this. Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure my words, but pour them all right out just as they are, chaff and grain together, knowing that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what is worth keeping, and then with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. That's good, folks. I mean, that's the way our friendship should be. We don't, we're not superficial. We're in each other's lives. We're talking. We're interacting. We're loving. We're doing all that stuff. But we keep that safe and secure. We don't spill the beans to everybody. Confidentiality is absolutely critical. I've often told people, if my wife didn't keep confidences, things. I mean, she could tell you all kinds of interesting things about me. You know, she probably would have enough of a list. She could get me out of ministry in time. Who knows? I don't know. Right. But she would, she, she, she says, no, honey, that's not true. Okay. No, I, but, but, but you know what? I trust her and I can tell her things. Sherry knows things about me that nobody else on earth knows. Nobody. And you'll never find out. No, you won't. And she does the same thing back to me. And I trust her. And she trusts me. And I have guys in my life who I can tell them something I know it won't go anywhere else. I mean, that's important. I had a professor 
school years ago. That would bring his uh, counseling situations to the classroom in such detail that I knew who he was talking about. And I remember telling myself, I will never go to that guy about anything. Would you? Because I'll just be the example in the next class. Yikes. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Anyway, anyway. Confidentiality. I need to, I need to move up here quickly, but I, I'm, I'm trying. I really am. Okay. The, the fifth characteristic is, is respect. Uh, 2517 says this. Um, Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. And now there, I think he's actually talking about an actual neighbor as opposed to a, a close friendship, a close friend. However, what it does tell me is this. In my relationship with my friends, I always want to retain respect. You know, I don't want to just say, well, here I am again. Yeah, well, you know, Doug, whatever, I'm here. You got to be here for me. No, 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 no. No, there, there, all, there has to be a sensitivity and a respect for that person's time uh, and their privacy and, and their intelligence. Look at 2619. This is a really interesting one. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, which is not a good thing. That'd be a bad thing, right? Is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, hmm, I'm only joking. Can we hurt people deeply and then use the excuse of, I was just kidding. People do it all the time. I would just say on on an aside, be very careful the way you use jokes. Because if I tell a joke, I don't know, about Chris, in the presence of a bunch of guys, and it's demeaning to Chris, he'll probably laugh because we're all together. But I just heard our relationship. Haven't I? If you want to make jokes, the best thing to do is make jokes about yourself and everybody will be fine. We got to be careful. As important as friendships are, they can be violated if we don't respect the privacy of that person. If we say things demeaning to their intellect as if, what are you, stupid? Oh my goodness. And you call me stupid. I was just kidding. I don't think so. Do you see how these games get played? Do they ever happen in homes? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, we all have to watch this stuff, folks. And the importance of being tactful. Look at 2714. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted a cursing. I had a roommate in college who, uh, when he got up in the morning, he was one grump. I mean, he was grumpy. And, and he would go down to the shower, and he would shower. And by the time he came back, he had transformed. It was like he was manic depressive or something, you know. And he came back, and he was alive. And so here I am in bed, still sleeping. And, you know, he would come over and want to tickle me and wrestle with me and all. I was just like, 
Larry, get away from me. Stop. It's early in the morning. Don't be... In his own way, he was trying to be friendly, but he had lost the respect factor. Do you see? In our marriages and in our friendships, we cannot lose respect. We cannot demean them. We want to be appropriate with them. We want to think, how are they processing this? All that goes in, which is why friendships are a lot of work. And which is why some people choose not to invest in them because they're too much work. But I will say this, to invest in friendship is to find something that you um, would never trade for anything else in the world. So let me wrap up by saying this. Reading in the book of Proverbs, Old Testament wisdom, true to life, really helpful stuff. Does Jesus have anything to say about friendship? Like anything. Oh, yeah. Do you know Jesus was called the friend of who? Yeah, isn't that great? Jesus, who frankly doesn't need Doug Finkbeiner at all, chose to love me, come and die for me, And even be known as a friend of sinners. That term was given to Jesus by those that were opposed to him. And Jesus embraced it. And Jesus said, I am am the friend of sinners. I embrace them. I forgive them. I transform them. They're my people. Call, Call me, call them what you want. Wow, isn't that wonderful? And then in John 15... When Jesus is talking to his disciples shortly before he's going to die, listen to what he says in John 15, verse 13. It's not on your list, so I'll just read it to you. He says this. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. In other words, you're in relationship with me. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned of my father I have made known to you. Isn't that wonderful? When I think of friendship that I should be having horizontally with people, I can't help but first of all think back about the fact that Christ has been my friend and he calls me as his own, as one who's been saved, To be his friend. And he says, there's all kinds of stuff I want to teach you as my friend. Wow. And when John writes 3 John, you come to the very end of 3 John, and I love the way 3 John ends. It's really cool. So let me just read it. I should have had it tagged here, but I forgot. So here it is. Peace to you. Now listen, this is, this, this is the last two sentences in, in his book. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. You know what he's saying? My people are to be friends. I have befriended you. You are in relationship with me. You are to be a 
community of friends. And within that community, you will go deep with certain individuals. Can't be too many. You're, never, you're not going to have too many deep friendships through the years. It takes too much of an investment. But you have some. And my plea to you as the people of God is to start where you are. If you start by saying, you know, I'm not even a Christian, forget the horizontal friendships. Just throw that out. Forget it for now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus as your friend. He doesn't, he wants to be your Lord and Savior and friend. Put it all together. It's crazy, but it's wonderful. Come to him. If you know him, you don't have close friendships. You don't go around and demand it. I don't walk up to somebody and says, you're going to be my, John, you're going to be my best friend. No, that sounds like what they do in 11, uh, eighth grade. I mean, no, it's not what it means. If you're in eighth grade, God bless you. I don't mean to attack eighth graders. I love eighth graders. Eighth graders, stay with it. Good, good. Eighth, eighth, seventh, eighth grade, all of you. You're all good. You're all good. You're good. But, but you can't force it. What you can do is you can start by being the right kind of friend. You see? And then you can prayerfully ask God to pe- bring people into your life and place yourself. Maybe what you'll do is you'll try out a small group somewhere. Say, oh, I'm not real big on this small group stuff. Think by it. You know, guys getting together with guys seems kind of, I don't know, whatever. It's on the edge. Try it. See what God does. Maybe two or three of those guys out of there, man, you're just going to be like, man, that guy, man, whoa, did we, whatever. Place yourself there. Let God work. And if you have current friendships, continue to cultivate them. I was really moved by the words. If I can find his words. Ah, there he is. Yeah. Charles Town said this years ago, but I found it to be really important on the importance of focusing on friendship and not waiting. He said, around the corner, I have a friend in this great city that has no end. Yet days go by and weeks rush on, and before I know it, a year is gone. And I never see my old friend's face, for life is a swift and terrible race. He knows I like him just as well as in the days when I rang his bell, and he rang mine. We were younger then, and now we are busy, tired men. Tired with playing a foolish game, tired of trying to make a name. Tomorrow, I say, I I will call on Jim just to show that I am thinking of him. But tomorrow comes and tomorrow goes. And the distance between us grows and grows. Around the corner, yet miles away. Here's a telegram, sir. Jim died today. And that's what we get and deserve in the end. Around the corner, a vanished friend. These are God's gifts to us. Invest in them. Father, we we all crave close friendships. But I would suspect that most of us fear them too. Would you do your good work through your spirit? 
Remind us afresh that we have a friend in Jesus. Remind us afresh that we are a community of friends at different levels. And Father, through opportunities that you give us as we step out and seek to love others, would you, in your good grace, grant us gifts that will both honor you and be a blessing to us. And Lord, I would remember especially our marriages. Father, may we make a commitment afresh to be best of friends as husband and wife. For Lord, it is your design. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Turn your eyes to the hillside. Turn your eyes to the hillside where justice and mercy embrace. There the Son of God gave his life for us and our measureless debt was erased. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our pride. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Turn your eyes to the morning. Turn your eyes to the morning and see Christ the lion awake. What a glorious dawn, fear of death is gone, for we carry his life in our veins. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our pride. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Turn your eyes to the heavens. Turn your eyes to the heavens. 
Jesus alone. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our pride. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. We thank you, Lord, this morning that we can hear your word, spend time together praising you and worshiping you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a friend of sinners, that you call each of us to your side. You welcome us into your family. And there we are found. God, we thank you for this morning. We ask you with us as we go into our weeks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.